Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Well, for full transparency, you should know that for 41 years, I've done my level best to not preach on Trinity Sunday. Uh, whenever I had opportunity, I had guest preachers, I would have associates if I had associates. I would happily turn over Trinity Sunday to them, if nothing else, so that I could sit in the back of the church and go, I wouldn't have said that. Um, and I was deeply disappointed, uh, finally, in Pastor Lars when I discovered that he would not be with us this morning, because otherwise he would be preaching this morning, I'm telling you. And the part of the reason, well, there's two reasons I'm not a big fan of Trinity Sunday. One, it's a doctrine. It's the only Sunday of the whole church year that we set aside to talk about the Trinity, about a doctrine. And it's the only Sunday that heresy is close at hand because when you start talking about the Trinity and trying to explain it instead of just believe it, heresy generally is close. So my least heretical explanation of the Trinity, I'll pick on myself, is that people experience me in different uh, forms. I'm a husband, I have one wife, I'm a father, and I'm a friend, but I'm still the same person. I'm one person, but those three different groups experience me very differently. I am a different person with my wife than I am with my friends. There are things that I can say to her and she can say to me that we can do together that I do not do with my friends and I do not do with my children. My children have certain privileges that my friends don't have in my relationship with them. I behave differently, they behave differently. We interact on different levels within those three sets of relationships. So why does this matter? Well, it does matter. It doesn't matter so much about me, but it certainly matters in how we experience God. In the early church for the first 300 years, uh, lay people were experiencing God in very different ways. They deeply appreciated creation. They, they were enthralled with this risen Lord named Jesus. They were trying to figure all this out as they were invited into this brand new community called Christian. And they experienced the work of the Holy Spirit as it invited people into faith, as it called people back from sin, as it shared the good news of Jesus Christ in ways that mattered. It was a difficult time because Jesus did not leave a constitution. He did not leave a written document. He did not read, leave a hymnal. He didn't even write holy, 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 although I'm sure he would have if he had thought about it. So 300 years, lay people kind of driving the bus, saying to the theologians, the teachers of the church, you figure it out, but this is what we're experiencing. So the other part that you need to be aware of is that for the first 300 years, the Christian community was persecuted. They were the minority. They did not have place in the culture in the Roman Empire. They regularly were, had their children sold into slavery, their wives taken sold into slavery, men tortured, put to death, finally. 
Those things all happened. We know that happened historically. But they had figured out how they should behave and how they should act within the confines of that very different culture as they were growing the church. And then toward the end of the 200s, they started into the 300s. First and foremost, um, a mother by the name of Helen became a Christian. She had heard the good news of Jesus Christ, and she converts, and she is the mother of the emperor. And shortly after her conversion, she wants to go on a pilgrimage, and she gets her son's credit card, and off she goes from Constantinople to Jerusalem. And no one's living in Jerusalem, by the way, because it had been destroyed multiple times uh, before this happened. And the Romans had finally said, nobody gets to live there. So she finds a shepherd that will walk her around, and everywhere that the shepherd says that Jesus walked, Helen built the church. And that's why she needed her son's credit card. I just can't imagine. We, we have some of the remnants of those churches still today. And so then she's working on her sons like mothers do, and he begins to change how he emperors. And finally, in fact, on his deathbed in 332, he is baptized into the faith. But in 325, he had called for a council, and they met in Nicaea, and that's where they wrote the original Nicene Creed. And it was done by committee. So if you ever wondered if a committee can produce something well, well, here we have an example. And there were two huge issues that they needed to resolve. First and foremost, how do we talk about Jesus? How do we talk about Jesus being fully divine and fully human at the same time? How do we speak to that, and how can we understand it? And then, as you've heard, the lay people wanted an answer. How do we understand God being three in one? And so there was this long conversation and arguments about what we would think and about what we would believe. And so they finally talk about Yahweh and Jesus and the paraclete. Not parakeet, but in the Greek, par paraclete. The spirit, or in Hebrew, ruach. The wind that blows, the, the breath of life, the part that calls this into being. How will we speak about that? So we have the document that we're going to proclaim in just a few minutes. Well then, Constantine dies. His oldest son takes over. He is not a Christian. He has no, he does not like Christianity. Does his level best to try to make it go away. That does not happen. And then the son named Constantine passes an edict after he comes to power that in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, as far as history goes, Christianity would stop being persecuted, and now not only will it become the place of authority in the empire, in the empire, but it will be the only religion. All other religions are banned, and if you are not a Christian, you are not going to live in the empire. Well, it caused some problems, as you might well imagine. In 1987, I had the privilege of traveling on behalf of the church, and we went to Russia before the wall came down, and we were invited to come to Zagorsk, which is the Vatican for the Orthodox Church. 
And because we were honored guests, we were invited into their private art room. And here in the very back of the room, in a most treasured spot, was this painting that was about 20 feet long, about 10 feet high, and just amazing. Painted toward the end of the 300s, it was that old, and it had been kept safe. And it was a picture of a bishop on a hillside, clearly baptizing the people who were arrayed in rows down on the hill below, and Roman soldiers with buckets of water throwing, throwing water on people. He was baptizing the community. But that was not the point of the painting because over in the corner are people getting their heads cut off because they would not be baptized. You had to be a Christian. You had to be a Christian. And what it did for the community was it changed how we functioned. Because before that happened, before the edict happened, lay people really drove the, the expansion. You folks sitting in the pews were the ones that were doing the work of the church of preaching Jesus with word and deed. It was lay people that made the difference. Pastors were there to preach, to teach, to administer sacraments, that was all true. But it was lay people that drove the expansion. But once the edict happened, now for all you lay people, being a citizen of Rome was the same as being a Christian. And now what we needed you to do is come to church on Sunday, give money, because church has to have money to make things work, to build buildings, to pay for pastors, but you didn't need to share the faith because now everyone was a Christian. We called it Christendom. And for me, it lasted until 1967 because I grew up in North Dakota in Minot and, and there were still blue laws in Minot, which meant that no business was open on Sunday morning. Actually, Sunday, period. Restaurants weren't open, the golf course wasn't open. You got shamed off the fishing waters if you were out fishing. The theaters weren't open. Nothing was open except for churches. And in 1967, the Empire Theater opened its doors on Sunday night. And there were protests by pastors and council presidents. People were furious that they were going to open a business. Christendom had started to have a crack in it. And so for most of my adult life, it has felt like the earth has been moving underneath me because the church that I had grown up in as a boy was literally disappearing from underneath me. All the things that I knew about what it meant to be a Christian and how we were to behave and how pastors were to function and how lay people were to function just simply was evaporating. And I suspect for many of you that's been true. It feels like we're just living into a new world. And I don't know about you, but I know that I would really like to go back to the old one because I know how to operate in that. And it was nice and safe, but that's not the world we're living in. That is not the world we're living in. We are now right back we were in the first 300 years. There are Christian communities around the world that are persecuted every week 
We are not the majority, even here in Sioux Falls. Nuns are the largest community, people that have no church home. They are now the predominant part of Sioux Falls. And so I think if we're going to be church, if we're going to continue on, if we're going to continue to be the place where Jesus Christ is alive and well, we might want to take a page from our sisters and brothers in the first 300 years. Lay people need to go back to what we had lay people doing in the first 300, that you are the proclaimers of the good news day in and day out in the place that you live, in the place that you work, in the place that you play. That through your words and your deeds, people find an invitation. The reason that the church grew back in the 300 years, because it was inviting. When we hear Paul say they were neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, female or male, he wasn't joking. People were invited into the community. Can you imagine inviting a slave and the slave owner to be a part of the church? That's what happened. People had their lives changed because they understood the good news that was in Jesus Christ and that the Holy Spirit was at work in them. And they appreciated the gift that was the Father. They understood the gift that was, in fact, Christianity. So I invite you to think about that and pray about that, that how you might live out the good news of Jesus Christ, how you might be that proclaimer, that apostle, that evangelist, to share the good news of Jesus being driven by the Holy Spirit. God's blessings to each one of you as you are the people of God, as you are the ones that Christ has called that the Holy Spirit has invited into a life following this one named Jesus. Amen.